0: Is Bobby Payne and welcome to episode number 24, The Prayer. With me today is Pastor Aaron Case, Pastor Jonathan Mitchell, and Pastor Gary Singleton. Gentlemen, welcome back. Hey, good to be back.
1: Thank you. Yes, good feel to be back. Like, I
0: feel like it's been a minute since we've gotten to get together through the holidays and everything, but we are excited to be back here with you um, to share. Uh, The prayer and when I say that my mind automatically went to like Andrea Bocelli and Celine (laughs) Dion and we had already split up the parts Johnny said he was gonna do the Latin part of it and I was game for it But G was like no we can't do this (laughs) He shut it down unless he got to do the Latin part. So we were like, well, Well, I don't know It might go over the time restraints. It could it could but maybe next time Uh, (laughs) Not really. That's all I made all that up Uh, but what we are going to talk about today is a subject uh, that I would say is controversial. Um, and that's what we do. That is what, that is what we do. That's why they pay us the big bucks here. <laughs> yeah. um, also, that's not true. I'm on yes. a roll. <laughs> I'm on a roll. You so, can trust us. None of that is true. None yeah. of that is true. That is correct. So um, I'm going to open it up. Pastor Aaron's going to start by telling us why we have to talk about this and what I mean when I say the prayer.
2: Yeah, well, sure. Um, for so long, um, at least in our lifetime and maybe the one, you know, before us, the last few generations, um, there has been a rise in the trust of what, what is known as the sinner's prayer. And and I think for all of us, um, when when we begin to wonder and think through our salvation, we need to, you know, when we look through biblically speaking, what it means to actually be saved, um, we start to question certain aspects of that. And I think rightfully so. There Um, you know, it just seems so easy, right? It's the ABCs of salvation. You admit, believe, and confess, and God is bound to save you. And, you know, if you felt any sort of conviction, you feel bad for your, your sin, you want to, uh, escape hell, um, the pastor leads you in this prayer, um, and, and then basically you're told never to doubt it. And so, you know, obviously I know a lot of folks, and we'll get into the intricacies of this, um, you know, God can do so much with <laughs> such a mess, you know, thank God he can do that, um, that he's powerful. But I guess what we need to do today is is to dig in and see, you know, truly, what does it mean to be saved? And and does that line up with the Bible's teaching? Because quite honestly, and, and before we get into the next part, I just, I think when we look at our younger, younger generation and we see the fruit of most Wednesday nights, just like having pizza parties or, you know, this type of gospel being preached. I, I think we're bearing the fruit of a lot of the weakness of what this has produced. And, and so what, what our prayer is and our hope is, is that the gospel is victorious in our, in our time tonight and, and that it is a blessing to people and opens their eyes at, in the least... To see what God's word actually says, because honestly, I would say, and my figures mean nothing, but the high 90 some percent of people do not mean ill will. You know, they're they're not trying to not be Christian or or to push something on someone. They're literally following their theology through. So, um, you know, right off the bat, we want to say these people are not our enemies, Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, we do need to do some digging in and to see what this is all about.
0: Yeah, and this is, this is kind of a dangerous thing. We were just kind of chatting about it in our prep, uh, because we've all experienced it happening. We've been to conferences, or we've been to churches, or you know, wherever near, far, local, where we see this taking place, and and it could be dangerous. And you're and you're right. I think it, what it does is it sets us up, and we're paying for that now. Because it was a non-thoughtful, and we'll talk about this, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder, but a, a non-thoughtful, um, almost instinct reaction uh, to someone on a stage telling us to come. And, and there's, no, there's no thought behind it, there's no um, repentance or conviction behind it. It's just it's a, a knee-jerk reaction. So let's start at, with the dangers of what we would call the sinner's prayer. That's, that's what we would term it as Um and so Johnny, I'm gonna toss it over to you.
1: Yeah. Um well the biggest danger, and you kinda mentioned a little bit on it, Bobby, is people um they hear maybe the word of God being preached and what really sticks out to them is um I know for me when I was really young um and I prayed the sinner's prayer at five years old, I was uh, I I heard about hell and I did not want to go there. Um and So I was like, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Um, uh, You could tell me to jump three times and, uh, you know, put my head in the toilet. and I would have done it. And uh, so what happens is people are kind of like, so this is going on, or um, sometimes it's an emotional thing. Uh, They feel very emotional. I think in our day and age, we really struggle with social media uh, because uh, we've talked about this here at church before um, when... We celebrate God saving someone. What often gets said on social media is, congratulations, that's the best decision you'll ever make. Um, and people are, I'm so proud of you. Um, and I, I understand the sentiment in a lot of ways, um, but what, what we'll talk about today is, uh, who does the work in salvation um, who should we be exalting? Who should, who should we be proud of? Um, uh, and who should we be celebrating? And, and I think that's the danger. And what, what happens a lot of times is, especially I know when like growing up hearing the modern evangelical movement, um, with well-meaning people, um, even like, uh, Billy Graham, you know, like well-meaning, no doubt about it. But a lot of times what happens is, okay, you hear this, repeat this after me, and there's a repetition. And then if you did that, and you know we talked about this, and if you, if you meant that and you said those words, then you never have to worry about um, going to hell again. You know, and, and so basically what it builds up is this false assurance that's not in the person and finished work of Christ, but it's in the repetition of a prayer or the coming forward, an altar call, uh, it's in um, even things like being baptized uh, because that sometimes gets pushed so much as do this. This should be the next step that you, to, that you do in your, um, in your walk with Christ. And so people look back and just because they've been dunked in the water and that felt really cool and people congratulate them on that, uh, they might not have any knowledge of their sin against God. They might, uh, they might have no conviction over those things. And they might not have any desire to walk in the newness of life. But because they were uh they were immersed in water, they think, Oh, I'm saved. I've even had conversations with people like that. And and that's a serious, serious thing. And um a couple of a couple of quotes that really stuck out to me. Um, one by John Piper, he says, Decisions, altar calls, and sinners prayers don't make a Christian we need new hearts that treasure Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um David Platt got a ton of flack for <laughs> this when uh, I think this was one of his early early sermons it was at a Christian conference and he said it's very it's a very dangerous thing to lead people to believe they' are a Christian when they have not biblically responded to the gospel. If we're not careful we will take the gospel the lifeblood out of Christianity and put kool-aid in its place so it tastes so it tastes better to the crowds. It's not just dangerous, it's damning. Then when we think about making disciples, we think it's just about going out and getting people to pray the prayer. He says, no, let's give them a full picture of the gospel let's show people of the greatness of God. Yes, He's the Father who loves us. He's also a wrathful judge who may damn us. Um, and, and J.D. Greer, uh, you know, if you're looking for a resource on this uh, subject, he has a short little book called uh, Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart, talking about assurance of salvation. And uh, he says, God never promises to give us some uh, Give salvation to someone because they pray some magical words or because they went through a cere- ceremony at the altar of their church. God gives salvation to those who repent and believe in the gospel. It is, a nat- it is natural to express repentance and faith in prayer, but you can repent and believe without praying the prayer per se. And on the flip side, you can also pray the prayer without repenting and believing. And that's why it's damning because you can repeat those words, think that you're good, but never have a heart uh, and a and a life of repentance and faith in Christ.
0: Well, it doesn't set up perfectly for that relationship that that you need to have. Your it's just spoken word. I mean, how many times as a as a young teenager or you know preteen or whatever, and you're sitting in the service, or you're sitting in the conference, and you you repeat the words every time you're there because you're like, oh, I think I should probably repeat word per- just in case. Just in case. Just yeah. in case I didn't do it right last night. I'm going to say them again tonight. And, and so you're right, that's setting up for some serious danger uh, in the future, for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I know the example that all of us were talking about was the reason why, at least at Eden Chapel and probably many other places around here, we stopped going to Christian conferences for youth. Um, again, not, not any offense to a lot of the folks. I, they do mean well, and this, again if you believe God is just doing the best he can and we must talk people into a salvation, the prayer kind of flows from that. But if you understand what it means to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and that the Holy Spirit has actually done a transformative work in your heart, um, then there has to be questions. But we, we talked, we talked like in our prep again about uh, a conference where, you know, there was a good message. Uh, That's what Johnny was talking about it too. He was there. And, The pastor at the end says, whoever wants to be saved, come forward. And as he's praying, he tells them not to think about it and repeats it and repeats it and says, just come. And then like this sea of children, you know, youth age kids come forward. And again, you look at it and you're like, wow, you know, what is God doing, especially in that context? What's happening? And then you kind of just realize the emptiness of it. Because the problem is, a lot of those kids go forward, they do feel bad, they've not slept in three days, they're emotional, right? And they go, and they repeat, they sign this card, and what pro- what's the problem? There's no power in their life. There's no spirit to help and guide, lead and guide them. They've not been transformed. Like, because we carry God's image, we can come in the reality of our sin from time to time, but that doesn't mean it leads us to repentance. And so what's sad is, is there's these people then who do not question like the pastor says. Don't question what God, you know, believe, understand. Because you've repeated this, you're sealed. And they're, they're using out of context, big biblical passages. And they're putting this guilt trip on these kids. And now our churches are filled with these people who are too ashamed and prideful to come broken before a holy God. Instead, they're holding on to a profession that's empty. And this is why. This is why other problems in the church uh, occur. This is why there's emptiness. This is why there's not service. This is, this is so much of the problem that we have today, and we are discipling our kids the same way, the generation coming behind us. And, and this is why it's dangerous, not just because um, there's a possibility that some aren't saved, which, uh, which we see, but it's just the fruit, again, that comes from this entire movement.
0: I think it leads to the to the box checkers that we've talked about on this episode before. Like, okay, I said, the I repeated the prayer correctly, check. I got baptized, check. And then as they grow into adults, it's, okay, well, I went to church on Sunday, check. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave my tithe, check. And so it creates this, this culture of just checking the boxes because I'm doing what somebody told me I was supposed to do so I can make sure that, uh, you know, like Johnny was saying, like, I was, didn't want to go to hell, so I repeated that prayer, and so I'm going to keep checking all these boxes so I can just be assured that um, I'm going to go to heaven. And, cre- and again, it removes the ability to have a relationship, come broken, and see the need for the gospel and for Jesus and to have that relationship with Him.
1: And what we need to be asking, the big question is, so does God save through a repetition of these words, uh, through coming forward, does God save uh, through being baptized uh, w- by water immersion, um, which is a thought in some sects of Christianity, and I would be careful even to call them that. Um, does, does God save by joining a local church or publicly uh, getting in front of the church and professing your faith in Christ? I remember when I was five and I prayed the prayer, I didn't want to go up forward publicly to profess. And so uh, my parents were like, well, that doesn't make sense, Jonathan. And I was like, okay, I guess it doesn't. But um, but we need to ask, does God save by those means, or does God save by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his son? Because what you were listing, Bobby, is that starts to sound a lot like a workspace salvation to me. If I'm checking boxes so that I might be good enough, then now we're getting into workspace salvation. And... We're in a we're in a big conundrum there. If we start, if I if I'm worrying, did I do enough or did I do the right thing? Um, I'm starting to relinquish um, uh, my uh, trust and faith in who Christ is, and I'm putting it on myself. And we don't ever want anything in regards to salvation to be about what's what what we did.
2: Oh, that's scary. You know, this is, (laughs) in my
1: opinion, honestly,
2: this is the rub in regards to any acceptance of a reformed theology, because this, this takes away from our power to decide when and where God is going to save us. Yeah. Because he's bound because I repeat these words. And, and kind of what, what you're repeating there, Johnny, was, was what my experience was. And like, like you were saying, Bobby, like man, I would repeat it every time and be like, gosh, did I mean it? You know, I really, I really want to mean this and I mean it that, you know, and, and it was not until, and I've, I've said this many times and then and, and I'll hush, but like, you know, there are many times where I struggled with, with assurance, when I struggled with rededication like a thousand times and I just never found that peace. It was only until I trusted in the cross of Jesus Christ and not the perfection of my repentance, you know, or how much I meant it that day. Yeah. It's not dependent on me. It's on the grace of God, and He had opened my eyes and changed my heart. That's, that's what led me to salvation, not the power or the, or the meaning of what I meant or how passionate
0: I was. Well, and we could never reach that repentance level that we would need to for God to even accept us, you know? And so, yeah, that puts a lot of pressure on us because uh, it's unattainable. Yeah. Right. Amen. Okay, I got a lot to say. <laughs> All right, go <Come> on, Gene. <laughs> um,
3: now, what I want to say is, uh, you know, how does one receive uh, salvation? And I believe that some someone is, there's a huge debate. Is someone believed and they're regenerated, or do, are you regenerated, then you believe? I absolutely believe that someone is regenerated, and then they believe. The Bible says, Jesus says, Truly, he's answering Nicodemus, how does someone uh, enter into heaven? And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Mark 115 says, uh, repent and believe um, in, in the gospel. And the only way that someone can repent of their sins, truly repent of their sin and believe in a holy God is if God opened up their heart and mind to do so. And that that's being born again. Unless someone is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Like that is Lydia. that is do like, I? Lydia. like Lydia. Yeah. Like Lydia. Right. Thank you. I was gonna say something. Oh man. No, that's all right. Way to go, Aaron. No, that I was going to say a couple things. One, uh the example of Lydia in Acts. <laughs> see You're Paul like now, 30 funny. seconds
0: <laughs> sooner. <laughs>
3: Paul is um sharing the gospel with Lydia and Lydia and her friends and uh the Bible says that God opened up her heart to hear the gospel God opened up her heart not us when we say that we pray a prayer or we walk down an aisle or we're baptized like Johnny's saying like and and we're saved who is in control who is saying you're saved is it you or is it God It is God who saves, not us. Not anything we can do, not anything we can say will save us. We are all sinners. We are all uh, in need, desperate need of a Savior. All of us. We all fall short of the glory of God. All of us. No one is good. No, not one. Right? So the beginning of the gospel is to understand that you are lost. You are in desperate need of a Savior. You are a sinner and desperate need of a Savior. And the Bible says that once you realize that, as the beginning, you repent and believe of your sin, believing in a holy God that died on the cross for your sins, and substitutionary atonement, that he took on our sin and the wrath of God on the cross. He died He, uh, and rose again, to show the world he is who he says he is. He is the son of God. And he ascended into heaven. And at the right hand of God. Interceding on our behalf. And the only way for you to believe that. Is if God opens up your heart and mind to do so. It leads me to the last thing I want to talk about. And that's. You know how do you have assurance of your faith. How do you believe that. And I love the sower's parable. The parable of the sower. Um, in the uh, book of John. And it talks about. Um. It's also in uh, Luke. Um, right? Luke, the parable of the sower, <laughs> um, where, um, you know, God's throwing the seed, right? right? The seed is the gospel. And there's the birds come and they swallow it up. That's someone who hears the gospel to me, but immediately the devil takes it from them, right? Uh, some fall on the rocks. Um, there's, uh, they can't sprout because there's no moisture. Um, that's people who, uh, hear the gospel, but there's no root. There's no root inside of them. They, they, they say they believe, but they don't truly believe. And then there's a third kind that like, um, is cast into, uh, thorns. And when it grows, the thorns, uh, choke them. And that is a representation of, like the cares of this world, the pleasures of this world, chokes, and there's no fruit. That somebody, I've heard people say, well, that seems, that sounds like, well, that somebody just lost their salvation. No, that's somebody who has never truly repented and believed in the gospel. That's someone who is not born again by God. That's who that is. Someone born again by God produces fruit, and that's the fourth kind. They produce fruit, and there is a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold of uh, of fruit from uh, that one seed. And so uh, that person was born again by the power of the Holy God, and that person repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that person produced fruit. So I would say one of the things you can ask yourself, you know, am I of assurance of your faith? Um, you know, is there fruit? Is there fruit in your life? And another thing I would say is what R.C. Sproul said, like, do you love the Lord? You know? Um, and uh, and he the way he's explained it is if you love the Lord, do you love the Lord perfectly? Well, no. Nobody loves the Lord perfectly. I mean, who, you know, somebody to say they love, says they love the Lord perfectly has a perfect complex. You know, and said, well, do you, love, do you love the Lord the way you should? Well, no. If I don't love him perfectly, then I don't love him the way I should. Well, do you love him at all? Yes. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. If you have any affection for the Lord God in your heart, true affection for the Lord God in your heart, then I would say that is another sign that you are truly saved by God,
1: that you are born again. I think this is why, like, listen to that, why this is a conversation that needs to be had and needs to be understood because there are people, what the parable of the sower tells us, there are people who genuinely believe that they are followers of Christ. Mm -hmm. There are people, I mean, as we've talked about before in Matthew 7, I mean, this is why we approach it so carefully and why we we don't want to give something that gives false assurance to people. Because there are going to be people on the day of the Lord that look, um, and Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Even though they're saying, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and do many mighty works in your name, cast out demons in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me, only those who do the will of my Father. Um, And so because there are people who have false assurance, uh, this is why something like this is... Uh, what we would say dangerous and even even damning
0: so do we want to move on now to talking about how to receive salvation if we 've kind of discounted the idea of um, that the sinner 's prayer you know just repeating mindlessly uh the altar call, we're going to sing one more verse and keep playing this out and you're running out just of time. As I am. Yeah, that's right. We're going to sing verse 17 of just as I am. How many verses does it have? Too many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, or this whole box checking mentality, it, you know, that's kind of what we've come here to, to say that that's not, that's not the way to do it. Well, then what is the way to do it? And, and it may be a good place to start um, to say how we do it here at Eden Chapel. Um, you know, how we kind of open things up at the end of our service and how it differs from maybe other local bodies.
1: Yeah,
2: well, sure. I mean, what we try to (laughs) run away from as, as much as possible is some sort of emotional pull. Um, we do not want anyone to come forward, just because they're emotionally charged to, or that, you know, we're, we're trying to lure them into something. What our hope is and, and, the way that we preach the gospel is when we give the gospel, when we give the sermon, we do give a time of reflection and prayer, a time for repentance, a time when every one of us is, you know, available to pray. You know, we have ladies and fellows who are ready to watch. Um, if someone comes forward for a need, but beyond all of that, we are trusting in the power of the Holy spirit to be able to, um, change someone without us saying, you know, calling out to them, throwing out the guilt trips, throwing out everything we can have in music play, having, you know, having all of this on on blast just to try to lure someone in. We believe God is is powerful enough to save without any of that, right? Like, you know, they didn't have that in the old, you know, in scriptural times. I I know there are times when I've preached when I didn't think anyone could hear me and someone got saved. And it's just like, it's amazing. You know, you feel like you're wasting your time, but No, when the gospel is faithfully proclaimed, we put it forward and we just trust God to save that the thing that, and I think we may have referenced it on the show before, but the thing Charles Spurgeon would do is someone would come up to him and they would say, Hey, you know, I, I think I became a Christian. I trusted in Christ today. Or they had any of these questions. He'd be like, all right, meet me tomorrow in my office. He wouldn't even talk with them or pray with them. He would allow that to sit and for God to move and work. Many people I'm sure didn't make that meeting right? But what we're saying is so many of us have been around, or maybe it's you out there listening right now. Um, you prayed the prayer and you fell away. Like we know so many people who have, and th- this, is why we, this is why we're having this show, is for the fact that what we believe is that no matter how you feel or, or what you've done, God is powerful and mighty to save. Beyond, and when the day of salvation comes. And he calls his children, yes, we all run from God. I think it's Piper who says that, right? We run and run and run until God says that's enough. Yeah. And that's when he brings us home. So in a roundabout way, um, Bobby, that's, I hope that answers your question. We, we simply trust. We proclaim the gospel. We allow time for folks to have prayer. But we are not going to have a drawn out crying out to them. We're going to trust the Spirit of God to do the
1: drawing. Yeah, we don't we don't do the is there anyone else type of thing because I mean I that that's answer. been that's been manipulative before I've I've watched it happen you know is there anyone else is is or anybody it, clutching yeah, onto that pew yeah in front of yeah, you. yeah just let go take that one step you know that we don't do that and, and many times we even invite people um, you know we we preach the gospel every service but maybe there's a time where we feel particularly led to say yeah, to to really make it clear at the end of the message. I think every time I've ever heard it and I've been behind the pulpit, we've said, look, if you believe God has opened your eyes to the lot of the gospel and you want to respond this morning, come talk to us after the last song. <laughs> uh, we don't think when that song ends, God's done work and you missed your, you know, you missed the opportunity. Um, Holy spirit doesn't move, um, you know, after that last song ends. And so, yeah, uh, we want people to, to basically emotion is a good thing. I've said that, but, Um, emotion always has to be tied to truth and you need your brain to process truth and so we want people to be thinking about whatever is going on it's not just oh they saw that person walk down the aisle so I'm going to walk down the aisle or man the way the pastor said that I'm feeling kind of weird inside he must be talking to me you know so that's the way that that we generally do things um, here
0: so how do we receive salvation then if it's not through the through the altar calls and the, and the, the prayers. Um, and Johnny, I, you, and you probably will say something about it. Now I did find you what you said in our prep interesting about, you know, maybe when you come to salvation, it may sound similar, mm-hmm. but it's not that you were there reciting a prayer after, you know, a pastor or a leader was telling you to, but it could still sound
1: somewhat similar. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, many times it will. Uh, many times when, uh, God opens eyes and ears to the light, uh, of the gospel and, uh, his glory, his splendor, the, the person and finished work of Christ, it will involve something like you've probably heard where it's admit, believe, and confess, uh, that you're, a, admit that you're a sinner, believe, uh, that Jesus Christ is God's son, uh, and confess that, uh, he is your Lord and savior. It, it might sound like that. Um, but what what I think we really need to move away from is the asking Jesus into our heart uh we need we need to we need new hearts first for that uh as as g was was talking about earlier uh we have hearts of stone before uh before we're transformed by the Holy Spirit um and so we need new hearts and um Jesus is not uh pleading with us for our acceptance we we need uh, he doesn't need our acceptance. We need His. And so we're, we need to understand that the God of the universe is inviting us into His story, not the other way around. And so uh, I, I would simply maybe sum it up as best as I can. I, I look to Acts 2 for this especially. Uh, Peter preaches the Sermon at Pentecost, powerful sermon. Uh, basically looks the people right in the eye and is like, you all are terrible. (laughs) Uh, You crucified the son of God. You are the worst of the worst.
2: That's not seeker sensitive. (laughs) Not seeker
1: sensitive at all. But what happens is the Holy spirit of God pierces the hearts and minds of the people who are listening as the word of God's proclaimed. And so they go, they hear the word. So I think obviously that's first there's proclamation of the word of God in salvation proclamation of the of the word, and then um, the sinner's convicted of sin. Uh, and I think that's a, a lot of time what's lacking in uh, salvation, uh, quote-unquote, experiences today is any conviction of sin. Uh, this is one of the reasons, uh, one of the many reasons I respect Aaron so highly for how he walked with Landon uh, through um, through his son Landon coming to the Lord. Because Landon... I mean, by all accounts, just loved Jesus. I mean, loved being at church, loved being anywhere around, and he'd want to participate in communion. He'd want to be baptized. And, and Aaron would just tell him, Buddy, until you are broken for your sin, you know, you just know that God has not called you yet. Mm-hmm. And man, when that happened, it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. And so a sinners convicted of their sin against a holy and righteous God um, and you see this, they, they hear the word and they go, what must we do to be saved? And that's where Peter says, repent and receive the gift of the Holy spirit, uh, and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy spirit. And so there's repentance, uh, and faith in Christ. Repentance is a lifestyle. Uh, that's like Romans six talks about this. Um, how here we, we are dead to sin now alive to God. Uh, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound by no means, not, does it, we've talked about this, does it mean we'll never sin? No, but it means now we have a new heart that desires uh, God, as Pastor Aaron talked about this morning, that desires to obey God. His commandments are not burdensome, but they're a delight to uh, the, the person that receives the, the gift of, of grace. Um, and, uh, and then there's also assurance that comes with it, which is what G talked about, um, because when God truly saves you, you're not resting on if you recited it correctly, if you walked down the aisle, if you did, you're not resting on that. You're resting on the finished work of Christ that happened uh, 2,000 years ago on the cross. And so when when I'm struggling, and believe me, I have times where I'm like, why would I do that if I know and follow Jesus? Why would I think that? Why would I say that? Why would I do that? I have those thoughts. Um, I think any of us would be lying if we said we didn't. But I don't go... But I know I'm a Christian because I did this. I go, but I know that Jesus's work was effective for me. Amen. I trust in Him. I trust in Him alone, and and so that's where I rest. And I think that's for how it should be for for every Christian. Um, so that that's what I would say is receiving salvation is um, God calls, and the sinner repents and, and trusts in Christ. Yeah.
0: Okay. Anybody else want to add to that? I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Um, I like that we say that God calls, that takes it out of our hands, which is oftentimes what we think is it's our job to, to do it. But it's actually God doing it. It comes the whole it. way. Yeah.
2: Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, we use the same analogy over and over. Uh, you know, about the, the ocean and drowning and things like that, but it's perfect, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, uh, to describe what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I think
2: <laughs> from John the Baptist to Jesus to the disciples, what we must look at is, like we've covered, I think, pretty well during our time, is what was, what was the message Was it repeat after me or was it repent and believe? Right? Why would we change the gospel? You you rhymed it and it was just really
1: cool. uh, Do I need to drop a beat behind that? Man. (laughs) You sounded like an actual preacher. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I'm fooling everybody then. But,
2: but, you know, like, it's right. Like, should, should it be surprising to us that we want to preach the same gospel, not to not to put it in a nice, clean package to present it, but as it is, and trusting that even the people who wanted Jesus dead, you know, those who were absolutely had everything to lose, not just like today, just a a lifestyle add-on. You know, it it was everything to receive Christ, and they gave the gospel unhindered. And, And what we've seen throughout history is our pulling away from the trust in the actual gospel. It's not by the proclamation, proclamation faithfully of what Jesus has done, but, and not to get into this too much, but a lot of our errors come from a preacher in the early 1800s named Charles Finney, who was a revivalist preacher. And that's where we get a lot of what we do today. He actually created what was known as the anxious bench. And what would happen is someone felt anxious, they would go and sit in this bench in front of everyone, and basically until, you know, they were ready to be saved. And, and so that's where we get a lot of the coming forward and all of this emotional experience, whereas what we need to get back to doing is simply trusting the gospel of Jesus Christ as being
0: powerful by itself. Amen. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, as we're wrapping up today on this topic?
3: I just want to um, reiterate what Johnny said about perseverance of the saints. Just, um, you know... We know that we are, we're not going to, you know, I'm talking about apostasy is what I'm trying to say. Sorry. You know, that we're not going to deny Jesus after we've been saved. Like, like there's perseverance of the saints. That's another um, uh, assurance that we have. You know, when, we're, when we fall, like Johnny's talking about, when, uh, you know, when we go through uh, horrific times, you know, we don't lose our faith. Like our faith is um, eternal, and that's in, uh, a work of the
1: Lord in itself too. Uh, <clears throat> I have two thoughts. Um, one on on the ground of assurance, especially in light of um, what we what we look to as to why we are saved and why we continue on in the faith. Uh, if you've never listened to Don Carson's illustration of the two Jewish men at the time of fast uh, at the time of Passover. It is so good. Basically what, what he gets to is uh, I'll briefly summarize, but go, go watch it. We'll link it. Um, when we post this, but, um, he says that two men on the day of Passover, um, (laughs) think differently, I guess about how, how this is all playing out. One's very nervous. One's very scared about how this, will the blood actually work? Um, one says, I trust in the, promises of God. I'm completely confident, but they both put the blood over the lentil and across the doorpost. Um, and he says, so when the angel of death went through the land of Egypt that night, which house did he pass over? And he says, well, both. Hmm. And he says, because, um, because the angel doesn't pass over on the grounds of the intensity, uh, of the faith exercised, by those who are placing faith in the blood, but on the object of the faith. It's the object of the faith that saves. And so uh, what we're saying is um, when you come to Christ, it's not how well you believed or how well you repented or how well you walked down that aisle. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thanks be to God for that, right? The only reason that you and I will stand holy and righteous and clean before God Almighty is because the blood of Jesus has been applied to us period. And so that would be my one thing. And then lastly, uh, as we said, we're not saying that, um, if you prayed quote unquote, the sinner's prayer that you're, you know, that you are trusting in something false, we're saying, okay, that could certainly be part of, of how that works, how it works out. Um, but we're not saying you're saved if you prayed this prayer. We're saying you're saved if you believe in this God. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He has saved you from sin, that His life, death, and resurrection is certainly um, perfectly capable of doing what He came to, to do. And so do we do we trust in it? And, and that, that would be where I would close is uh, there might be people listening thinking that we're just completely hating on them uh, and saying that they didn't come to Christ if they repeated after a pastor. Well, the only reason you're saved is not if you repeated a prayer, but if, if God saved you, if, if he opened your eyes to the light of the gospel and, and if you're listening and if you treasure Jesus, if you treasure Jesus, you desire to walk in obedience to Christ. If you are convicted of your sin, if you want to repent and desire to repent and you actually do it, it's because you've been granted a new heart and take heart in that. That's what we trust in.
2: Well, ultimately, what I would say is, is the prayer as it's, as it's conveyed today in the Bible? We would say no. But what the Bible does say in Acts 17, 30 and 31, it says, the time of ignorance got overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in a righteous man by a man whom he has appointed. And he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Our, our plea to everyone under the sound of our voice would be this, if you are lost, if you are trusting in your sin, if you're trusting in anything other than Jesus Christ, may today be the day of salvation. May God open your eyes to the beauty of the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. May you trust in that alone. Again, not in anything you've done, but what God has perfectly done for you. And may you come to life and honor him all of your days.
0: Amen. Thank you guys for that. Um, I think that's a great way to end it. So, Pastor G, if you will close us in prayer, please. Sure.
3: Holy God, I thank you so much that we were able to meet today and just uh, lift up your name, Lord. And I, I, I pray that we were we honored you. We everything we said and did was to your glory, Lord. I pray, Lord, for for those listening Lord I just pray that hearts and minds are open Lord to uh, to hear the gospel for faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God I pray that as they heard the gospel Lord that their hearts and minds uh, were open and uh, believed repented of their sin Lord and believed in you believed in the gospel Lord and I pray that um, as we Uh, close today Lord I just thank you for uh, these men and for what they mean to us and to this church Lord and uh, I pray that as we continue we we both honor and glorify you in everything we do in your name we
0: pray Amen Thank you for joining us today on the EC Podcast. If you do not have a church family you can join us on Sundays at 1030 AM and Wednesdays at 630 PM. If you are outside the area we encourage you to find a Bible believing church for fellowship and worship